pipesandcigars.com and welcome to PNC's Talking Tobacco Live. Um, we've got uh, a number of things to talk about today, um, but one of the big things is, of course, that the, excuse me, is that the holidays will be approaching and uh, that means a lot of new products coming in. Uh, we put up a number of new products uh, and we've uh, gotten confirmation on some orders for new things that are coming in. So we're really looking forward uh, to that. And um, so we, we've got uh, lots to talk about today, um, especially uh, with Christmas pipes coming in and that sort of thing. We have um, this year a, a Christmas pipe coming from Viking. And I'm talking about this now rather than in the what's happening on PNC seg uh, segment because um, they're, they're not uh, live on the site yet. Uh, but they, uh, they have um, two shapes and there are um, two finishes. And so what we have are a tall brandy uh, straight pipe and we have a bent candid acorn with an offset shank. Both of them are distinctly Danish looking uh, pipes. Uh, the bowls are red, either a, um, a glossy red sandblast or a matte finish uh, red smooth. Uh, they're paired up with uh, green green and black modeled stems and they have a goldish uh, band on them. Uh, they're simple and elegant. They definitely have a Christmas vibe about them and this time next week uh, they'll be live so we can talk about them a little bit more but I think uh, anybody who um, who likes Danish shapes will be very impressed with uh, these two pipes. Uh, good morning, Philip, uh, David, Sean. Um, so we, we've got the, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, later on, what we're going to talk about is curing tobacco, and um, of all the the different aspects of uh, making and blending pipe tobaccos. The curing aspect is probably one of the most misunderstood. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that and, and get into, uh, into curing a, a little bit today. Um, but anyway, uh, there's, there's plenty to look at. So, uh, let's just go to, uh, what's happening on PNC and, 
just a moment. This is what happens when you can't afford to pay a producer. Okay, here we go. So here's what's happening on Pipes and Cigars this week. Number one, and this is one that a lot of you, I'm sure, are going to be pretty excited about. Uh, Peter Stokeby Tobaccos, 15% off 16-ounce bags. So some of the blends will start out at only twenty eighty one for a full pound of tobacco. And considering the quality and uh, the reputation of Peter Stokeby Tobaccos, uh, that's a heck of a bargain. You know, when I started in this business um, back in 1976, believe it or not, um, the, Peter Stokeby was popular then. Um, the brick and mortar that I worked at had probably, I'd say, half the tobacco bar uh, filled with Peter Stokeby bulk tobaccos. Uh, back then, they also had some tinned products, and some of the more veteran pipe smokers may remember those. Um, they even had one that had rose petals in it. Uh, it, it was very interesting, but, um, but today uh, their entire lineup is bulk tobacco. And um, what took the brand from being a, a prominent brand uh, to really being highlighted as one of the premium bulk blends or brands was when they came out with the luxury series, the luxury twist flake, uh, luxury navy flake, and luxury bullseye flake. Uh, because, you know, even though it may not necessarily be true, um, the pipe smoking community generally looked at uh, these pressed tobaccos as elevated. Uh, they're the next step up. In, in a lot of cases, that's true, but it, it's not necessarily true. Uh, but in this case, all three of those tobaccos are outstanding. Um, and a, a, an example of what a, a company like Stokeby can, can deliver. So uh, I'm sure that there are a bunch of you who are going to want to take advantage of 15% off on Stokeby tobaccos. Um, uh, I, I know that uh, the odds are, are pretty good that uh, I'll lay in some of the natural Dutch Cavendish for myself. Um, David says uh, he, he sure can tell you aging some uh, Peter Stokeby Oriental Supreme is well worth it. He, he's got some that's 30 years plus. Um, 
and he said, you know, we can be uh, a little snobby in our hobby. And that's true. Uh, we can. Uh, but that's not, not the general case. But, but there definitely are some people who, uh, who have their opinions and uh, feel that their opinions are, are facts. So, um, but that's true of everything in life. So we uh, we won't uh, we won't venture any further into that topic. Uh, moving on, this is a big one. This people look forward to this uh, when we do it um, multiple times throughout the year. But right now, with Missouri Mearsham, we have ten percent off all their corn cob pipes. And that's, uh, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, talking about snobby, there are uh, a bunch of people in the pipe smoking community that look down their nose uh, at corncob pipes. Um, maybe it's the price, maybe it's the appearance. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't care for corn cobs. Uh, you know, I, I've smoked corn cobs throughout my entire time as a pipe smoker. Um, I still prefer them for a number of different tobaccos. And I may be uh, a little out of the ordinary on this. But uh, I, I like to smoke straight Virginias in the cob. Um, first off, if, if you're doing it in a relatively new cob, the sugars in the cob will make your Virginias even sweeter. But one of the other reasons that I like cobs for Virginias is I prefer to smoke Virginias um, with... Um, with smaller chambers. Uh, you know, I, I like, I like like a five eighths inch bore, uh, when it comes to a pipe for Virginia's, the narrower the chamber, uh, the, the less oxygen gets in there and that helps keep the burn from getting too hot when you're smoking Virginia's. And, um, and there are a number of Missouri Mearsham corn cobs uh, that have chambers that are smaller than three quarters of an inch. Uh, so uh, they're, they're really very good for Virginia tobaccos. And I find that little added buttery sweetness that you get from the cob goes really well with a lot of different Virginia blends. Um, but for those people who like a bigger chamber, there certainly are a bunch. Uh, in that uh, picture, you see the freehand right up in the center. Uh, and the freehand is a, a big pipe. You've got the MacArthur, which are large pipes. So there's something there for everybody. Uh, they even have the minis, which you can use when you've only got you know, 10 minutes for a break 
you're going to pack a mini and light it up and enjoy a few puffs. Um, Sean says he'd like to making corn cob pipes with bamboo stem. Um, that's a fun project to do. Chris says he's not a cob snob. He has a few and they're great in the truck. David says uh, he's got over uh, a dozen and his newer country gentlemen's are much bigger than the old ones. That's true. Uh, that particular line uh, definitely got larger. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm a fan of corn cobs. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, uh, that people will say about cobs um i i don't i don't go along with and that is um that they're great for tasting new tobaccos uh, when i taste the new tobacco i prefer clay mainly because i can keep them basically ghost free uh, because you can you clean them using heat um Cobs, as I had mentioned before, add a little bit of sweetness when they're new. Um, so I don't find that to be helpful when I'm trying to evaluate a tobacco. I need basically a pipe that has no flavor at all. And cobs and briars, for that matter, generally do. Um, David says cobs will vary from year to year due to the crops, and of course that's true. Um, when they harvest the cobs, they spend two years in a part of Missouri Mearsham's building. Uh, I believe it's the attic, uh, and it's left open on both ends so that the air flows through uh, to dry out the cobs, and that's a two-year process. Um, and it's interesting you know, talking about that particular aspect because that also relates to what we're going to discuss later uh, when it comes to curing tobacco. Uh, fundamentally, what they're doing in that, uh, that attic at Missouri Mersham is they're curing the corn cobs. Um, David says he'll use uh, cobs to smoke something that might ghost until he's familiar with it, but overall they are not the best for taste testing, as, as I had mentioned. And uh, yeah, I, I, that's my opinion. And I'm, uh, I'm definitely an expert on my opinion. So um, we still do have a small quantity of the Barracini uh, Halloween pipes for 2022, Jack. Um, there's our pumpkin-shaped friend, all pumpkin-colored in his glory, uh, with a spooky black stem and a gold trim ring. Um, the price is reduced to $79.99. Uh, if you want to get your hands on one uh, because you missed out this year, but you want to have something ready for next Halloween, um, there you go. Uh, and, you know, it's not, we call it a Halloween pipe because the colors and the shape fit the, the holiday, but of course that's the kind of pipe that you can enjoy 
at any time of year. Um, we've been very pleased. The people who own one have been very pleased. And of course, they're, um, that shape is a great shape um, for a number of reasons. First off, it has nice thick walls. Um, it'll absorb a lot of heat. Uh, the bowl doesn't get insanely hot, so it's easier to hold on to the pipe. Um, the thick shank means that they're less prone to breakage because, you know, unless we're talking about a stem snapping off, um, those of us who have unfortunately broken pipes in our lives, they almost always break where the shank meets the bowl. Uh, so um, it's a good sturdy pipe. Uh, it is hefty, so it's not a great pipe for clenching, although if you've got a strong jaw and good teeth, you certainly can. Um, but this is a sit down uh, and, and smoke pipe and um, remarkably well balanced uh, considering uh, how hefty the, the bowl and shank are. Uh, and that's partially because that, that heft continues right up into the stem. But uh, beautiful pipes. Uh, David says he likes that author shape for Latakia blends. And, you know, to me, I kind of identify um, Autumn with Latakia blends. Um, I, I find that uh, when the weather cools down, I will definitely smoke more Latakia blends than I do uh, during the summer. And the reason for that, I can't tell you. It's just my preference, but I know in talking to people um, via email or chats or at shows, uh, I'm not the only person who's like that. I like uh, lighter blends, Virginia blends during the summer. Um, and as we get into the colder weather, I prefer to uh, mix some Latakia blends in there. Uh, to me, the only year-round tobaccos are Burley blends because it doesn't matter to me what time of year uh, I, I smoke a Burley blend. But, and that, that's another thing that, that kind of uh, uh, ticks off some of the snobs when they hear somebody who blends tobacco talking about smoking burley fairly often because they they look at burley as the least common denominator uh and and that's absolutely not true there's plenty of great blends that, that contain burley or are 100 percent burley and uh, and I'm, I'm certainly uh not uh, a snob when it comes to Burley, and I've got a number of my blends that are Burley-based, so. Um, David thinks that maybe we unconsciously associate the smoky taste of Latakia blends with the sense of winter and smoky fires, and that, that I, I certainly could lend credence to that. 
um, because one of the first signs uh, of autumn approaching is when I go out in late summer and it's a little cooler and some of the neighbors have started a fire in the fire pit. So I walk out into my backyard and I'm smelling wood burning. So yeah, I, I certainly can understand that. And I know that there are some people in uh, our neighborhood uh, who must also, beside their their normal heat source, they, they also have a wood stove or a fireplace uh, because I'll take Spike out for a stroll and, um, and I will smell wood smoke going in it, you know, and that's in the middle of the winter. So I doubt anybody sitting out in the backyard with a fire. Um, David says, Concerto is a great Latakia with Burley Blend. Yeah, you know, that's, and that's another thing that some people say, oh, no, you know, Latakia should only be blended with Virginia and Orientals. Burley's do a wonderful job of toning down the smokiness uh, without adding sweetness. Um, there's definitely a place for blending Burley with Latakia. Um, and if, you know, you don't have to take my word for it, uh, English Oriental Supreme and uh, English Luxury from Peter Stokeby's lineup have been popular for a long time. And both of those blends beside Latakia contain Burley. In fact, um, English Oriental Supreme um, contains no Orientals except for the Latakia because the Latakia starts out as a uh, as a uh, an Oriental uh, varietal, uh, which is then fire cured, um, but. English Oriental Supreme has no Oriental tobaccos in it. Um, kind of an interesting uh, thought there. But anyway, there's a, a great pipe at a great price uh, that uh, people are raving about. So uh, look, if you're a 7LA 320 fan, you're going to love this pipe. I, I really guarantee that if you're a 320 fan, you want one of these pipes because you're not going to get a 7LA 320 for $79.99, uh, at least not anymore. And so um, here's an opportunity to pick up a shape that you know you already like with a unique finish at a great price. And they really are very well made. So. Um, take a look at, uh, at Jack if you didn't already buy one. This has turned out to be one of the most popular um, promotions that we have had this year. We've been running it for uh, about a week. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm pleased and a little surprised. Um, I had expected that this would do well, but um, 
we've sold more than half of the shapes or half of the inventory of some of the shapes of the pipes with this build your own. David said he ordered one. Um, you get the, the new Cascadia Ponderosa pipe and the, the Ponderosa pipe has a coral finish with uh, a chestnut stain and then they use a dark accent. And the way that they do this is um, the pipe is, is stained and normally they add a little bit of, of uh, shellac uh, to the stain. So it kind of seals it. Once it's stained with the, um, the chestnut, they use another uh, type of stain and they, it, they just paint the entire thing, either dark brown or black. And then they quickly wipe off the excess. And because the, the, the chestnut stain contains a little bit of shellac, uh, when they wipe the black, the highlights go back to being chestnut, but the, the darker stain stays in the low lights. And in this case, it gives a kind of a pine cone like appearance, um, which is just really sharp, goes well with the name Ponderosa. And these have a tightly integrated uh, bright metal cap on the shank. Um, it's not like the old uh, Wellington caps um, because those caps, what they did, they fit loosely on the shank and, and then they would peen it on both sides and just put a little, uh, divot, um, on one or two sides to kind of pinch it into the wood. These are bonded right to the wood, uh, and they work to, um, reinforce the shank. So you're less likely to get breakage. The stems are uh, green and black swirled acrylic uh, with a Delrin tenon, which makes them easy to put together and take apart. Um, they're less likely to lock up on you so that you wind up having to put the pipe in the freezer to get it apart. Um, and they're quite light and just a hair shorter than average, uh, which makes them easier to clench. But also uh, this brand is based on the idea of getting out in the, uh, in the woods, uh, out on the lake. And uh, you may want to or need to put your pipe away quickly and they'll fit nicely in a jacket pocket. Um, so it starts with the pipe. Now the pipes retail for $79.99. And if you take a look at this assortment, that's what you're paying for everything. So look at it as if you're buying the pipe for $79.99, which is a really nice uh, price for a well-made Italian briar pipe. Um, but then on top of it, you get 
uh, two tins of tobacco of your choice, two of the five different blends. Um, and these retail uh, for more than $15. So you're getting about 30 plus dollars worth of tobacco at no extra charge. You're getting a tin campfire mug uh, with the Cascadia logo on it. Uh, the, the retail on those or the MSRP on those is $10. And then you're getting the Cascadian knife, which has an MSRP of around $20, $25. And you're getting it for the price of the pipe. I mean, that's a heck of a deal. And uh, I mentioned it last week, but that knife was specifically selected because all of the Cascadia tobaccos are plugs. This knife was selected because it's ideal for cutting plugs. Um, first off, it's well balanced. The blade is long enough to be able to uh, cut a plug properly. Um, the blade has no serrations on it, so it won't shred the tobacco as you're, um, as you're cutting it. The blade is thin enough uh, in the cutting edge, but it's thick enough that it will stand up to the hard work that goes into, uh, into trimming a plug. Uh, and um, it's not hard to keep and put an edge uh, on that knife. And it's nicely balanced and has a good sturdy handle. Uh, it's just a great knife for plugs. So this, this may be one of the best deals out there um, where you're getting uh, like $60 worth of additional items al uh, along with the purchase of a pipe. I mean, fantastic deal. David says these mugs are great, better than the pricey enamel mugs at some of the outdoor stores. Um, and I'm glad you feel that way, David. Uh, we were very pleased with them when they came in. Um, and, uh, and I like them too. Uh, they are great for their purpose. They're wonderful to take with you if you're camping, uh, staying in a cabin, whatever. Uh, because being metal, you know, you're less likely to, to break it if you drop it. Um, uh, plus, they're lightweight and you know you, if you've got a mug and you've got 12 ounces of coffee in it all right you got three quarters of a pound to begin with and then if it's a big clunky ceramic mug uh you're probably adding close to another pound to it so you you may be getting a one-arm workout but uh you know that's heavy uh, a nice lightweight uh, metal mug like this, uh, it's great for enjoying your coffee. So, um, Joe says he, he agrees and he can definitely use another mug. Oh, sounds like we're going to sell at least one more uh, of the, uh, the Cascadia sampler. 
Um, geez, we got Peter Stokeby on sale this week, and we've got Lane Limited 16 ounce bags for only $29.99. And for an extra $10, you can add that really gorgeous uh, Lane Limited tobacco jar. It's ceramic. Uh, the lid uses a bale closure. Uh, and you can, if you take a look at the lid under the narrow part, uh, you can see the, the whitish silicone gasket. So when you flip that shut and put the latch on it and lock it down, there's really very little, if any, air movement that's going to occur. Uh, because of that gasket. Um, so, you know, rather than keeping your, um, your bag of one cube in the bag, now you can put it in a nice looking jar, keep it handy. You can get down into the jar with a pipe uh, to pack it, um, and it'll definitely keep it fresher than that Ziploc. So um, get yourself uh, a pound of your favorite Lane Limited tobacco uh, at a good price. And then for $10, you can add a $50 value jar. Uh, heck of a deal. Uh, David says he doesn't get out that often, but he used to love coffee or soup in a tin mug with mittens or gloves on a cold day outside warms the hands and, and the soul. Yeah, that's true. Um, the the tin mug will definitely get a little hotter to the touch, um, and uh, I can I can see what uh, what David's talking about. I I've done that myself uh, in in years past. But look, I mean, you know, Lane Limited's the heavy hitters. One uh, Q, RLP six, BCA. Uh, I mean, they, they have a whole lineup of heavy hitters and, um, and people just, there are a lot of people out there who smoke nothing but one of those blends. I, I know, uh, I, I talked to a customer, uh, maybe a month or so ago who told me that he's been smoking one Q since the sixties. And it's the only tobacco he smokes. Somebody offers to let him try their tobacco. He says, thanks, but no thanks. He sticks with his one cue. Hey, you like what you like. Um, but for people like that, this is a great deal. Pick up your tobacco. Get yourself a nice jar to store it in. Um, it doesn't get much better than that, especially if you're a fan of Lane Limited tobaccos. Uh, this week's Tobacco of the Week is Haunted Book Chop Cake from Cornell and Deal. Um, Haunted Book Chop is one of their best-selling blends, a burly based blend that's good and hearty. Um, it's the kind of tobacco that, um, you know, it, it can either be one that you can sit down with and, and contemplate 
on the tobacco as you're enjoying it. Uh, or you can just load up a pipe and puff while you're reading a book or looking at the computer, watching TV. Um, so it, it's tobacco you can and enjoy in a, a large number of different uh, circumstances. Um, one of the very few uh, downsides to Haunted Bookshop is that maybe if you smoke it a little too hard um, or if you're not quite a seasoned veteran yet, uh, it can be a little bit daunting. It, uh, it's a fairly hefty tobacco. Uh, and it can get a bit of an edge to it, uh, again, especially when you smoke it too hard or too fast. <clears throat> so what can you do uh, if you want to enjoy that tobacco and get rid of that problem? Uh, and, and the answer is you press it. Uh, because when you take a tobacco like that and press it into a cake, um, there is heat involved, even if they're not applying heat. Whenever you put something under pressure, it creates heat. And so that will help to artificially mature the tobacco. Um, it will uh, also marry the flavors better. And uh, it, it imitates aging to a degree. And so by imitating the aging process, uh, you also lose some of that sharp, spicy uh, aspect of the blend. So um, you may want to jump on top of this because I know we have a limited quantity on hand. So um, if, uh, if you're a fan of Haunted Bookshop, you definitely want to try the cake uh, to see what Haunted Bookshop might taste like a few years down the road. Uh, because most of the people I know who smoke Haunted Bookshop, uh, they smoke it as fast as they buy it. So um, give it a shot. If you uh, if you like uh, sturdy, burly-based blends. Uh, and now we're in the new month. Happy November. Um, for those of us here in eastern Pennsylvania, uh, i got to tell you, uh, you can't tell that it's November. Um Right now, it is 64 degrees out and sunny, and it's supposed to get up into the low 70s before, uh, before it starts cooling down. Uh, it doesn't feel like fall uh, here, uh, other than the fact that um, the, the nights do get cool. And uh, the colors have changed and the leaves are falling off the trees. But, uh, but as far as the daytime temperatures go, uh, you certainly wouldn't think it's November here. Um, 
Um, Sean asks, has PNC ever thought about selling reproduction uh, tobacco storage signage posters, pipe posters, uh, tobacco sales posters, things of this sort? Um, Joe says the temperatures are the same up in New York. And, uh, and David's got 70s there and maybe 80 on Monday. Unbelievable. Anyway, um, have we thought about doing that? Um, we have done that in the past with cigar brands, uh, tin signs primarily. Um, certainly something we can look into. We, we have a source uh, for making them. So uh, we, and we definitely have a design department that could do a phenomenal job. So um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's something that we may very well want to consider. I will uh, bring that up at our meeting next week uh, when we uh, spitball new ideas. Uh, it's a good thought and uh, you know, we, we have access to some older brands that we can use the, uh, the trademarks for, and we have our own trademarks that we could develop. Um, it sounds like you folks might be interested in something like that. So that's cool. November's monthly deal is here. And so we're talking about Stanwell. 15% off Stanwell. So we're talking about 15% off Stanwell pipes, 15% off the Stanwell vanilla and melange tobaccos, and the accessories, uh, a whole lineup of beautiful black leather pouches, uh, premium pouches, and you can save yourself another 15%. Uh, hard to beat. We just saw in the flesh uh, the first um, samples of the Stanwell Pipe of the Year for 2023. It's a beauty. It's a new shape. The first uh, time in a number of years that Stanwell has introduced a new shape. It sits right in between a belge and a horn. Um, it's not a tiny pipe though, but um, it, it's just a beautiful looking pipe. Uh, I haven't gotten my hands on one yet. The people who have uh, have told me that it looks even better in person than the pictures that I've seen. So that's great. Um, David has an unusual comment here that a nine millimeter filter stem makes a great stealth spitball cannon. Don't ask. I could see that. Yeah, you could definitely launch some pretty hefty spitballs with a, a nine millimeter filtered stem for that matter 
you could probably rocket a nine millimeter filter into somebody's head. Um, not that I would recommend that, but, um, but okay, if you want to do that, David, that, that's up to you. I don't judge. Uh, anyway, there are plenty of you out there who love Stanwell. Uh, I certainly do. Uh, when I started smoking the pipe uh, in, in 1976, um, the first pipes that just screamed to me were the Stanwells because they weren't your typical traditional English shapes. There were uh, unique contemporary Danish shapes in there, and they just opened my eyes. Uh, you know, my father smoked nothing but very traditional shapes, pots, billiards, and apples. Um, he, he almost never smoked anything but those few shapes. Um, and frankly, neither did most of the other people I knew who smoked the pipe back then. Uh, so when I went into a tobacco shop and I saw the Stanwell pipes, it just blew my mind. Um, and I've been a fan of Stanwell ever since. I have Stanwells that are more than 40 years old. I've got a Golden Danish that, uh, that I've been smoking. It's that um, kind of an elephant foot shape. Uh, I've, I've had one of those since the 70s and uh, still love Stanwell today. So take advantage of that. Philip wants to know if I can uh, address why curly block Stonehaven Penzance are hard to buy. Um, in the case of Stonehaven and Pen Penzance, we're talking about a small, small maker of tobaccos. Um, Germaine does not uh, have a big automated outfit. And, um, and so in their case, there's a lot of manual labor there, um, small company, uh, distribution can be an issue in certain markets. Um, because you know, it's not just the manufacturer that determines availability. It's also the distributor. Um, if a distributor underestimates potential sales, they may not order enough product and then it sells out and you have to wait until the next, uh, next batch arrives. Um, but it's a small company. And uh, as far as curly block goes, that's probably more because that form of tobacco uh, has been less popular uh, in the U.S. Uh, although, obviously, you can see from Cascadia Pipe Company that uh, plugs of that sort are, are starting to catch on again uh, with people. 
Um, and so, you know, if the popularity increases, maybe that factory will start increasing their output or maybe it's at the distributor's end. Maybe they just don't see the, um, the volume being there and they don't order enough. Um, but it's not because the tobaccos are that rare and you can't get your hands on them. It's certainly not that, but you know, we, we see the same thing with Samuel Gowth, Gowth and Hogarth. And that's because they've really resisted um, uh, automation. Uh, they still do things the same way they did a couple of hundred years ago. Um, the indications are that they are going to start um, automating a bit more uh, so that they can increase their volume. Um, but let's face it also, um, it's not a terrible thing. Uh, if you sell everything that you can make and um, you don't have a, a big backlog of, of products sitting in your building, um, you know, that's, that's really efficient from a business viewpoint. Could you make more money if you sell more? Yes, but if you produce more and it's readily available, then the retailers are going to have, start, have to start putting deals on the product so that they don't wind up with a lot of aged product on their shelves. So now your prices come down and when your prices come down to some degree for some people, your image comes down too. So, you know, yes, it, Sean, it is supply and demand. And that, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, the supply is kept short because of the limitations of the manufacturer. But for a company like, like the Gowitz and Germain and, um, you know, other similar smaller manufacturers, it's not a terrible situation to be in. So I, I don't, uh, I certainly don't uh, blame anybody for that. So, uh, cigar clippings um, this week. Uh, country of origin tells an incomplete tale. Um, the rule of thumb on country of origin is that Nicaraguan cigars are strong and spicy. Honduran cigars are strong and earthy. Uh, Dominican cigars are mild. Um, and, you know, every country has a particular flavor profile. That's really not the case so much anymore. First off, uh, the vast majority of premium cigars that are out there use tobaccos from multiple countries. Um, so you're kind of painting with a broad brush uh, because you bought a, uh, a Nicaraguan cigar, but 
there may be Dominican and Honduran tobacco in the filler. There may be an Ecuadorian wrapper, for that matter, um, on those cigars. They tell an incomplete tale. Plus, there are mellow cigars where all the tobacco is grown in Nicaragua or, or Honduras. So don't pay too much attention to country of origin uh, when it when you're trying to determine whether a cigar is going to suit you or not. Um, Charles says he prefers cigars with straight tobacco flavor like Henry Clay and Nica Rustica. Now, the, the vast majority of hand-rolled cigars are just straight tobacco flavor. It's just a matter of fermentation. How they ferment it uh, affects the flavor. Um, flavored cigars um, are infused with a variety of different flavors, and, but they're really still a, a smallish part of the market. Um, regular straight tobacco uh, cigars uh, are really the vast majority of what's out there. Uh, today's uh, Philosophy Corner. Uh, nobody has seen the Zamboni driver, but I'm sure, sure he'll resurface eventually. I'll give you a moment for that one. And so that is what we have uh, for PNC this week. And there was a lot. So um, anyway, so now we move into today's topic. It, it's not going to be long uh, anyway, but I need to um, bring up a, um, a different set of slides. Um, hold on just a moment while I do it, because what we're talking about today is curing tobacco. And there's a great misconception about what curing means. Um, for the most part, people think that curing is where the flavors develop, and that's not the case. So let's take a look at um, at uh, the three most prominent types of curing by looking at pictures of um, the different barns that are used. So what you've got here is an air curing barn. Now you can see the tobacco hanging in the front, uh, but it actually goes all the way back. If you look to the the uh, opening in the back of the building, you can still see uh, bunches of leaves hanging down. Um, and this is how air curing works. The tobacco is hung and the barns are open on the sides. The air passes through and cures the leaf. So there's no heat involved other than the heat that naturally cure, uh, occurs in the air that's passing through the barn. Um, 
this is mostly what's done um, for Burley. Uh, yep, Sean says the good old days, sweating it out, putting up the Burley. And, um, and so this is how Burley is cured. Um, a number of different uh, cigar tobaccos are also cured uh, in this method. Spacing is important, as Sean just mentioned, because you need the air to be able to get around all of that tobacco. Um, then as the tobacco gives off its moisture, the air moving through will carry it away. So it's a very gentle uh, drying of the tobacco. Um, and when you get done, um, the tobacco is dry, but um, still somewhat pliable. And that's how air curing is done. So let's move on. Now, obviously, this is a very old, decrepit building uh, down in Florida, but that's a flu curing barn. Um, you notice there are only a couple of openings. And um, what happens is there are flues that are connected to a heat source. Today, they normally will use gas, but they used to use uh, coal or wood. Um, and the, the air would pass through flues that, that were um, on the inside of the barn. And those flues would radiate heat. Now, the, the reason for doing that rather than a direct heat source is because that way um, the heat source doesn't directly affect the flavor of the tobacco. And this is what's done mostly for Virginia's. The tobaccos are hung. Um, there's just enough air passing through to help carry the moisture out. You notice that that uh, window is up toward the top of the building. The idea is that the heat drives the moisture out of the leaf and then that window can allow the moisture to escape the barn. Now, uh, David says, back to the air cure barn, you used to see a lot of smaller barns all over the fields in Canada um, with boards that would be angled open. Is that air curing? Yes, that's air curing too. Um, but flu curing, um, first off, you can control it a little bit more than you can air curing. Uh, if you get a very damp stretch um, with an air-cured barn, uh, it may take a little bit longer for the tobacco to cure. Um, but you can control that with flu-cured by the amount of heat that's used. Um, it dries the moisture out, dries the tobacco down. And then you have... Um, the third major uh, form of curing 
and that's fire curing. And uh, there's a picture of a fire curing barn. You can see the smoke coming out of the vents in the top. John says he's in South Central Kentucky where they grew burley, but Western Kentucky had flu cured. Loved the smell of this tobacco after cured out. Yeah, it's very sweet and vegetal. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds you of hay. Um, but uh, the, the Virginias never get to that silage uh, point where uh, hay begins to start smelling uh, like, uh, can we say crap? Um, anyway, uh, so what you're looking at there is a fire curing barn. So actual fires are used to cure the tobacco. Now this is the, the most different of the curing methods. So let me explain to you what curing is and, and what its purpose is. Um, so that you can understand why fire curing is different than the other two types. The primary function of curing tobacco is to dry it. This has nothing to do with maturing. It has nothing to do with um, imparting flavor. It helps develop the flavors, but it, it doesn't directly affect the flavor of the tobacco by adding anything in the case of air and fluid cure. The idea is to dry the tobacco out while not turning it into uh, cornflakes so that then the tobacco can be fermented. If you allow the moisture content of the tobacco to be too high when you ferment, it can cause a fermentation that will just cause the tobacco to turn to mush. Um, you to properly ferment the tobacco, you've got to control the moisture level. So you have to cure it. Now, um, air curing allows for the most natural flavor. The reason flu curing is used for Virginia is by driving heat into the barn, you're fixing some of the chlorophyll in the leaf. Um, so it maintains its sugars. It maintains the sweetness. Um, whereas if you air cured the same tobacco, it would not be as sweet. But now we come to fire curing and fire curing serves two purposes. It does dry the tobacco out to help with fermentation um, and the proper um, processing of the tobacco, but it does impart flavor because the smoke particles cling to the tobacco. 
Now in the US, we use hardwoods. So with hardwoods, you get a less sticky smoke. So if you're using oak, you're using hickory, um, that's a relatively dry smoke because they, they do, they tend to use um, wood that still has some moisture content in it because if it doesn't, you don't get as much smoke. But um, hardwoods don't produce a sticky smoke. That's not true when we're talking about Latakia, which is also a fire-cured tobacco. There they're using, uh, they're using coniferous woods, uh, so from the pine family, um, and other aromatic woods, and they tend to have a higher sap content. And so the smoke that's produced there is stickier. It clings more. And that's why the tobacco gets turned black when Latakia is fire cured. But um, in the U.S., doing fire cured using hardwoods, um, the tobacco still has most of its natural color, but the smoke does impart flavor. And uh, I actually love the flavor of dark fired Kentucky, um, especially if the uh, particular uh, farmer uses hickory in the mix. Uh, I just think it's a, it's a wonderful flavor. Uh, I guess maybe part of that is because I also like bacon. Uh, I like bacon too much. Um, and I haven't had any in a while because I'm starting an effort to try to slim down, but um, I do love bacon. And so I guess that's part of the reason why I enjoy Dark Fired Kentucky so much. Uh, every so often I will sit down with a small bowl of clay and I'll just smoke a bowl of Dark Fired because I love that flavor. But fire curing is a curing method which really has a significant impact on imparting flavor to the tobacco. Um, and it also helps to uh, cure the tobacco a little bit faster. Um, and an additional um, plus in the fire curing method is that the smoke wants to rise. As you can see, it comes out of the um, it comes out of the vents in the top of the roof, and the moisture that's driven out of the leaf is going to be carried out of the barn um, with the smoke. So it's it's rather efficient. Um, 
And David says he's found some small evidence of unsure validity that some Latakia is not only smoked with coniferous woods, but that some mastic-like resins are also burned to impart flavor. Any idea if that is true? I don't know for sure, um, but I could I could see that being true. Um, you know, in, in Syria when they um, processed Latakia, uh, they hung the the tobacco in barns and they used um, Syrian oak uh, to fire cure it, but they added herbs and um, aromatic shrubs to the fire uh, to create more of an aromatic uh, aspect. So if they were to take some pine tar and uh, toss it into the fire, wouldn't really surprise me too much. Um, but so those are the primary curing methods, but curing isn't where most of the flavor comes from. Um, it has an effect on the flavor, but it's not where most of it comes from. Um, when it comes to where flavor comes from, that comes from the fermentation and then the further processing such as casings and top dressings. Um, if they're not cased and topped for the most part, um, there is some form of fermentation. Now there's another form of curing and frankly, I couldn't get a, a really good picture of it, but that's sun curing. And sun curing is done uh, by taking the tobaccos and putting them out in direct sunlight to dry. Um, and because of this, uh, it's, it's, a, it's less gentle than air curing, uh, but also that direct sunlight helps keep some of the sugars and some of the chlorophyll um, in the leaf because exposure to sunlight will do that. And, um, and so that's part of the reason why uh, oriental tobaccos, which are primarily sun-cured, um, have such a different flavor or more exotic flavor. Um, the same method is used uh, for cigar leaf in Indonesia, the leaf like Java, which has a very herbal characteristic. And, uh, and that's because of the sun curing to some degree. So anyway, those are the different uh, methods of curing. I'm sure that there are others that maybe some companies or farmers use a combination method. Um, but those are the primary ones. But at the end of the day, the primary reason is to dry the tobacco down for further processing. Um, but it does affect the end product. And, uh, and so that's just a small aspect of how a pipe tobacco uh, winds up 
uh, in your pipe uh, so that you can enjoy it. Now that was covering uh, a lot of uh, a lot of material there, um, and, and frankly, I uh, I wish I could get into it in more depth. Maybe uh, at some point further down the road, we'll take one method at a time and look at it. But um, we're um, we're going to talk more about the the different things. See the curing, the fermentation, and, and that sort of thing uh, as we go. Um, so uh, we're winding down and way over time this week. Um, but there's just so much cool stuff to talk about, so that's the reason. Um, and uh, just a note for those of you who have a hard time sitting down to watch this on your uh, computer. Um, you, we are now on Spotify as a podcast. Basically, all they're doing is our, our people are pulling the audio uh, from the Facebook Live and they're posting it to Spotify as a podcast. I will be producing some specific um, content just for Spotify. So if you have Spotify on your phone, um, you can listen to it on your phone, on your computer. Um, and what I like to do for podcasts is I take my phone and when I have a, a drive of any length at all, I'll take uh, my phone and I will start the podcast, run it right through my car audio system, and uh, I can listen to a podcast as I drive. Um, one of my favorite things to do, especially if I'm going up to Albany to see my kids. Um, I've got about a four hour drive there. It's nice to have that to uh, take my mind off things. Um, anyway, we are on Spotify. Um, thank you all for your comments and um, because that's a good portion of what makes this so enjoyable for me and hopefully for you. Uh, and um, uh, if you are watching this through the rest of the week, um, as the vast majority of you do. Uh, just remember the comment section is open to you. If you have a question, a comment that you want me to see, put a comment in. I get notified. I will check them throughout the week. Uh, and um, if you need an answer to something, I will answer you. Uh, I do appreciate it. Um, I'm working on more methods to make things easier for me to do this and at the same time to make the content better and uh, a little more professional for you. Um, it's taking some time, but we're getting there and uh, I will uh, hopefully uh, be back uh, with a uh, a little bit more 
in-depth, intriguing stuff next week. Uh, you notice I'm wearing the War Horse Mark shirt this week. Uh, I also have a cap, a baseball cap, that has the War Horse logo on it. Um, and um, somebody stopped me while I was out walking the dog and asked me about Warhorse Bar. They wanted to know where it was. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Um, so, um, I guess if I want to uh, go smoke a nice strong tobacco and, and I go outside to do it, if Gretchen asks me where I'm going, I guess I could tell her I'm going to the bar. Um, David's going to crack a tin of it today. So anyway, uh, I, I really appreciate all the feedback. I'm glad we uh, were able to, uh, to do this again today. We'll be back next week. I'll try to keep it a little bit shorter uh, next week. Uh, David's going to have that War Horse Bar after dinner. Real good idea. Uh, don't smoke it on an empty stomach. Anyway, I'm Russ Willett from PipesandCigars.com. Thanks for watching.